It's been a while since I've last been up here. That's usually because uh, the statute of limitations of what I said last time has run out. So I am now back allowed on top of the platform, and so I'm good to go. I, too, have an announcement. No, I'm just joking. I just wanted to see you guys all get excited. Chip, I thought we were friends, man, and then you had to do this to me tonight. You know, I just, I got to preach and stay calm. But real quickly, tonight is what we call Kids Club Takeover. For some reason, Mike McTurnan still has stuck in his head that it's Junior Church Takeover because he leads that, and really the best class is Kids Club, right? And if you didn't know what Kids Club was, that was the Wednesday night service that happens over there every Wednesday night. So if you've been a part of uh, serving in junior services and or kids club as a leader, can you please stand? I'd like to recognize you or raise your hand. Brother Mike, you don't have to stand. All right, raise your hand, stand up. Hey, give these folks, give these folks a round of applause. I mean, it is, it's one of those things that um, I wanted to share with you. For me, as a, a leader, I had to do some internal thinking because I've actually been a part of the kids' ministry on Wednesday nights for the last 11 years. Um, and so that's, that's a pretty large sample size. And I've got to share some of the, the two strangest things that have happened to me. Now, I've been preaching in kids' ministry since I was 17, so it's been a while. But I have to share with you two stories just so you know what these workers go through. Number one, I asked a kid what he wanted for Christmas. The kid replied, I want you to be my stepdad. No, that's not how that works. <laughs> the second weirdest thing was uh, we ran a bus ministry at one time and we picked up this little girl. And I remember her very clearly because she was a sweet little girl until the preaching started. Then she stood up and screamed and ran out the door, heading towards the auditorium, screaming the whole way. So me, I'm like, oh, what do I do? So I go after her. I knew I couldn't necessarily pick her up, right? Like, I don't want to be like the weirdo. So I'm like ushering her back to the room as she's screaming. So those are some two examples of just some weird stuff that happens back there. But what I really want to, to express tonight is how many of you have been students in a Wednesday night program? So please stand up. If you've been a student in the Wednesday night program, stand up. If you're in here, I know who you are. So stand up. Look at that, everyone. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Thank you. I miss all you guys in the back. Now, you guys up front, I love this because I always threaten to you, what would you be doing in service if your parents were right behind you staring at you? And tonight, they are. That's beautiful. I love it because this is that time where I don't have to say a word. I can see your mom's and dad's reactions like, I told the kids, I told the kids when I was growing up, if I was in a service like this, uh, if my mom saw me acting up, she wouldn't even wait till after service. She's the lady that would come up and grab me by the ear and yank me out of here. So it's one of those things that we definitely uh, don't want that to happen. Um, Kids Club has been going really great, just kind of a state of a union, and then we're going to get into preaching. Um, you know, as you saw those kids stand up, and I think Pastor can attest to this. I think the hardest part of being a leader for so long is that if all these kids standing up and even the teenagers in the back and actually some young adults now, that old, but some young adults now standing in the back, it's just, it's, 
it's a blessing. But the hard part for me as a leader is I see the people that are supposed to be here. Does that make sense? While I see all these wonderful examples of people following Christ, I see the ones where they're not here. And it's not here because they live in Florida or New Mexico. I don't know why I chose New Mexico. It's kind of a weird place to live. <laughs> I was there one time. Uh, David, right? Remember that? It's crazy. Uh, but the, the thing is, is the kids that were supposed to be here, the kids that have made decisions contrary to what God would have that for them. And it was about four to five years ago that that really started to hit me. And I started to build a mission and felt the Lord leading us in kids club in a certain mission. So I did away with all of the silliness in the sense of, just so you know, it's, it's crazy, I know. There's no candy on Wednesday nights. That's insane, right? Liam's like, no, I want candy back. There's no candy. There hasn't been in a long time. There's, there's really not even singing. We get back there and we get right into the word because that is really the most important reason why the kids are back there. So I want to drive your attention tonight. I, I feel like the Lord is really, truly pulling on me to preach this sermon because I think it's uh, valid for everybody. But if you could please open your Bibles to Judges chapter number 2. I think it's going to be up on the board here. And we're going to start in verse number 7. Judges chapter number 2, verse number 7. And we're going to go to verse number 14. So please follow along with me as we read God's word. And it says, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen the great work of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And when they had buried him in the border of the inheritance of timnath Heres, in the mount of Ephraim, in the north side of Gaash, they all, and also all the generations were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet works, uh, the works which the Lord had. Uh, which he hath done for Israel. If I could talk tonight, let's do this. Okay. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God, their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods, uh, of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered, uh, that, uh, delivered them into the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about them, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for tonight and this opportunity to stand before your people. God, I don't take this lightly. And Father, I pray that you'd be with the words that I'm about to, to speak that this simple point gets across to all the hearers in this room, no matter if they're a child or an adult. Lord, we ask now that you would bless. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I hope you don't mind, but I have got to come down. I am a walker. Like, I got I to gotta walk around. Kids know this. I actually kind of probably scare them sometimes. But I've got to get, get down a little bit here in, in front of you. So we know this, and I hope... As a, as a Bible scholar, we know this, right? Joshua was a good man, right? He was one of the, the 12 spies, the two that were good. He was one of the two. 
He led the children of Israel through a number of victories. And he gets to the point in Joshua chapter number 24, verse 10, and we have a lot, or is it verse 15, sorry, where we have probably in our homes, me and my house will serve the Lord, right? But he's with the elders and he's telling them, choose you this day who you will serve. Now you see, according to the Bible here, the elders, well, they did a good job. They chose to serve the Lord and they did so. But it was that pesky generation that came up afterwards. Now, when I was in Bible college, and I know you're probably looking at me like, you were in Bible college? Actually, yes, I was in Bible college. Uh, for th- I got a three-year biblical degree. And when I was in Bible college, preachers would always, older preachers would come to chapel, and they would preach something like this, and they'd be trying to fire up the preacher boys. And they'd say, men, Christianity is one generation away from extinction. You know, trying to get them all fired up to go running out the doors and tell somebody about Jesus which is great, but I'd like to contend with that. Christianity is not one generation from extinction, but Christianity, this faith that the Bible teaches, is one generation in your family away from extinction. You have, we only have so much limited time with our kids that at at any moment throughout their lives, we can give them, parents, an excuse of why they should not move forward with the Lord. It doesn't matter. You can, you can be with your kids for 17 and a half great years, and you make one mistake, and now your kids hold you to that mistake. You want to know who is the greatest confessional booth for you? It's your children. The reason why I know that is because I'll ask for prayer requests, and there's some prayer requests I really don't want to hear. I know a little bit about you guys. Now, I didn't ask for it. I, I, I tried, like, if it was super personal, I was like, oh, mm, 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 mm. nope, we don't, we don't need to go there. But, but it is something. Your kids are constantly watching you. They're seeing you. They know that you're broken. And let's, for a moment, let's, let's I know we're in church, and we got to put on the, the face like, oh, hello. <laughs> but take off the mask for a second. I got, I'll be the first one to start. I will tell you, normally on a Wednesday night, I don't face any frustrations. I come walking in like a superstar. You know, it's super easy because I know I got, I got the kids. I know my, my flow. Well, today I'm like, wow, I'm at the big show. No longer in the minor leagues, man. I'm in front of the parents, you know. This is deciding my fate of whether or not I'm staying in the kids club, right? (laughs) Uh, And so I'm, you know, I'm going through my normal preparations, but this time it's a little bit harder. It's like, okay, I know I got Bible scholars in here. You know, the kids, they might not know who Moses is, which, by the way, there are kids that don't know who Moses is. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where, okay, I've got, I've, got to, I've got to up the game a little bit. And you know what? There was multiple points throughout the day that my frustration was tested. There are multiple times a day I just wanted to ah, lose it, right? And it's something where, listen, we're all broken. There's all these times that come about. And you know what? Guess who's watching me if I lose it? My three and one-year-old. And they're like sponges, you know? The other day, my, my wife must have been saying something to my daughter about something, and she came up to me and said, Daddy, now Mommy says you're not supposed to do this, right? <laughs> oh, okay, Mommy did say that, I guess, huh? Okay, but what I'm saying is your kids see you. 
Your kids are watching you. Your kids know if you're genuine or not. Now, you can come here and you can look amazing and you can act like you know this book from front to back, but your kids know the difference. See, I grew up in it, and I'm going to share my testimony, and I'm going to be quick because when I was in Bible college, I took this course called Practice Preaching, and I was introduced to uh, Dr. A.V. Henderson. Now, he wasn't my professor. Uh, Brother Sam Davison was. But Dr. A.V. Henderson says, listen, men, if you can't say it in 10 minutes or less, you have no business saying it at all. So I'm going to be quick. I'm not the type that says, hey, Paul preached till midnight, so I'm going to, right? So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be quick about it. But what, I, what I'm getting at is, in this essence here, our kids know when we're being true or not. I grew up not in a Christian home. I actually didn't start going here until I was 16 years old. Now, the crazy thing is, that was 19 years ago, and I haven't left. It's, you know, it's, it's crazy, but we've been doing this 19 years, you know? <laughs> yeah, amen. <laughs> but, but it's something where I didn't grow up in that, that environment. I was saved at a later age, at 16, and going through that and seeing the actual change in my family, I mean, it was a night and day difference. But even in that situation and scenario, fast forward 19 years later, you look at my, my extended family now on my side, it's drastically different. Drastically different. My father, who was the spearhead to get us in church, oh, he's, he's out now. And I'm going to be honest with you, and he'll probably hear this, it's probably online, but I'm not afraid to share it because I want us to understand that we're all broken. We all come from broken situations. There's nobody perfect. The only perfect person was Jesus. So when we can start to realize, hey, listen, we are all broken, we can really get to the crux of what this message right here is about, and we can save our generation that's coming up from being like this generation of Israel who served other gods, who felt the pain, uh, and, and, and what God says here that... The enemies rose up and spoiled against them and took their, ransacked them constantly. They couldn't overcome that anymore. They lost that blessing from the Lord. So if you, so by getting open here, by showing you my brokenness, I hope that it allows you to show your brokenness to them so they understand, hey, we're all broken. So the deal is, is in my own family, my, my father's no longer serving the Lord. Well, in doing so, that allowed two of the five of us to follow down that path. So in my family, where 19 years ago looked like a healthy tree, we now have two. I have a niece that may never hear the gospel because my sister is so bitter towards the Lord that she's pushing her in the opposite direction. And of course, hey, when Uncle Zach wants to bring her to church, nope, that doesn't happen. When Aunt Shelby wants to bring her to church, nope, nope, we're not comfortable with that. That generation's going to pass. Like right now, the way it's looking, it's going to pass. My other brother, he's, he's also in that similar, similar situation. Now, he doesn't have any children yet, but when he does, that generation will pass. And so what I'm saying is, in tonight, your kids, they're in church. It's a win, right? No, it's not. It's their heart that matters. It's their heart that matters. Being in children's ministry all these years and seeing kids grow up, it's not the loud ones, the ones that cause problems that are the worry. They're not at all. It's the quiet ones. It's the ones that just sit there and obey. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that elbow. 
<laughs> it's the ones that obey, honestly. It's the ones just biding their time to get out of here. And once they start making their own decisions, they don't see any value in this because they were never challenged from the heart. If you notice whenever Jesus taught, Jesus taught by challenging those that he taught. He didn't do it by browbeating them or anything like that. He challenged their hearts. I think of the woman at the well. He had a conversation with her when really, honestly, it's one of those things where she was in the depths of sin. And it wasn't until after that conversation when she was questioning, why are you talking to me? They said, go call your husband. She goes, I don't have a husband. I've actually had five. And the one I'm with, you know, Jesus uh, uncovered. The one, you've had five, that's right. And the one you're with you isn't your husband. And that's what got her is because the challenging of her heart. And so that is what we're doing in the kids club. We're challenging their hearts. See, if they leave my class without making this faith their own, they've built a foundation going into the youth group where peer pressure is a very real thing. Where now, all of a sudden, hey, what that girl thinks about me, gentlemen, is important. What that guy thinks about me, girls, that's important. Now, when I say that to the kids in here, they're like, ew, gross. <laughs> oh, oh, they don't even like to sit next to each other, you know? But it's, they're building the foundations now for their faith at this young age. When they start to understand something from God's word and they start to change their lives, it is amazing. We had a series just about a year and a half ago where in the Bible, in James, it says, to him that knoweth to do right and doeth it not. What is it? Sin. Say it louder. What is it? Sin. Sin. They understood that. But why are we okay with it? That was the challenge. Not that we knew the verse, but why are we okay with it? Because until we understand why we are okay with something... We can't change it. And so we started to get into some really applicable things, such as obeying parents. And if you know to do good and you don't do it, guess what? What is it, kids? Sin. Sin. <laughs> Say it like you mean it. What is it? Sin. Yes. And so then we'd ask them, well, why are you okay with it? If God says sin's bad, why are you okay with disobeying your parents. We even got into things such as like homework. And as a, as a children's preacher, you got to keep things simple. And you got to keep it on their level. I'm not dealing with divorce and adultery and things of that at their age, right? I'm dealing with simple things. Obeying parents. Brushing their teeth when they're supposed to. Going to bed when they're supposed to, right? Uh, doing their homework. And so that's the stuff that we, we, we focus in on. But the deal is, the challenge for you parents is... What our kids really need to know is what it's like to have a relationship with the Lord. And in all my years, that's something that's been lacking. And I don't mean to like point it out at the parents and say, wow, that's been lacking. It's just been lacking. Kids coming into my class, they, they don't know what it's like to hear God's voice. I'm introducing them to people like Moses and Noah and Jonah they're, they're, the kids aren't, they don't know what it's like to see God do a great victory. And why are we okay with that? Why are we okay with our kids growing up and not knowing that? You know the greatest thing you, you can teach your kids 
is how to properly repent. Because like I said, it's not, the, it's not the loud ones. The loud kids in the class, guess what they learn very easily, very fast? How to repent. Because they got to do it to their parents. They got to do it to their teacher. They got to do it in front of the class all the time. In my class, we have a three-step rule, or we have a three-strike rule. Strike number one, I, I warn you, and I try to give as much grace as possible. Strike number two, you go into the back of the room. Now, I want you in there because I want you listening, but you get to be separated from your friends. And once you're separated from your friends, you don't get to play games. I'm sorry, that's out the window. And you get to wait for mom and dad to come pick you up. Because when mom and dad walk in that room, what question do you think they're going to ask? What are you doing here? Why are you sitting there? And then the kids get to tell you their parents how they earned that, that ability to be sitting in the back. Now, since instituting that about six years ago, it has drastically, over the years, lessened more and more kids going to the back of the room. Now, you said, Brother Zach, there's a three-strike rule. That's right. There's a third strike. If you cannot behave in the back of the room, then you are going to be returned to your parents in the service. And we all know... Any parent in here knows that your kid comes walking through that door during a Wednesday night when service is supposed to be going with a helper and they're being ushered to sit next to you. You're not doing it with a smile on your face. You're not like, oh, it's so glad to see you. Come sit down. I'm so happy you're here. No, you're like, wait till we get in the car. I'm going to tell you what. I got to put my church face on, but wait till we get in the car. Church face, car. Okay. We, we do that type of stuff. I'm learning. I, I got a three-year-old. I'm, I'm getting the, the degree here of the, of the church face. But what I'm saying is, is this, is that good job, parents, in the sense of I've never had to send a kid back here. Once they got into the back, they knew, and you could see it on their face. <laughs> like, tough guy who was sitting in the chairs like, <laughs> was now losing his mind when mom and dad came back, right? And so it's something that we need to teach our kids repentance. And I hope tonight, if you get anything from this, you can do everything right. You make one mistake. They can hold that against you. And some of them, listen, if we could peer into some of our young adults' hearts, peer into some of our teenager hearts, you might see some of that resentment, some of that, I can't wait, 18 is right around the corner. I got it marked on my calendar, and guess what? I'm out. I'm out of here. And we could probably see that if God would allow us to, but he doesn't. You can do it right for so long and make one mistake. Why don't you show that repentance to them? Show, show them what it's like not to have a root of bitterness. Be that example to them. A few years ago, I was at a marriage conference with my wife, and this really struck me hard, and it's, it's stuck with me for a very long time, and it's still something that I think about often. At this marriage conference on the third day, they separate men and women. So the men are in the men's side, the women are on the women's side. And the reason why they do that is they've been hitting so hard on marriages. And usually people aren't necessarily, there's some people that aren't necessarily happy to be there when they're, you know, because they're like hammering their spouse like, ha, 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 you know, you need to do better than this. And so they really get deep with the man on his biblical side of things and the, and the ladies with their biblical side of things. And they get to not only in the marriage side, but on the parent side. And the speaker stood up and he says, all right, men, one word uh, answers about your dad. Give me one word answers about your dad. Guys started to go, hero, spiritual, uh, best friend, 
amazing. And he was kind of sensing that the sin, like similar sets of people were kind of answering, right? And if you ever try to get guys to open up about something deep, you know that it takes a little bit, right? So he goes, no, 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 that's great. That's great, everyone. Tell me really about your dad. Drunkard, adulterer, liar, jerk. Sorry if I can say that. Sorry, I realized that. X that out of there. Uh, <laughs> abuser, mean. He goes, okay, okay. Now, guys, fast forward with me. Fast forward 30 years. Your kids are sitting in here. What are they going to say about you? Oof. Wait a minute. Hoo-hoo. What are they going to say about you? And that's a thought we should all take away. What are your kids going to say about you? Now, parenting's not easy. Like I said, I'm only in the beginning stages. So I do the no's, don't do that. I get the why questions. I can't imagine what it's like to have teenagers. I can't even imagine what it's like to have kids like this. I'm blessed that every week I get a little small taste of your wonderful children in the sense of they're great kids, but they struggle with things spiritually. They struggle. When your family tree is laid out to the next generation, is this faith, and take away Christianity, is this faith that's in the Bible Is it surviving in your family, or is it gone? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe tonight you need to grab your kids and come down to this altar and spend a few moments. Show them what that repentance is. Maybe maybe some of you tonight need to get on your face before the Lord and, and have that relationship with Him. How can you as parents... Teach these young ones what it's like to have a relationship with the Lord if you don't. Kids, you're not off the hook. It doesn't matter what your parents do. God says choose you this day. You know that. We talk about it in class all the time. Choose this day who you will serve. Daniel's going to come and sing. We're going to have the music going. If it's time to come and pray, come on forward.